season two, episode 34, Stats to Matter. Tim, you closed the goddamn picking gaps. Not happy about it. Oh, Not yeah, happy about it at all. And I would have the, I would have, you know, sort of the tiebreaker, but I gave you the tiebreaker with the tie that happened last week. So you own the tiebreaker now. It's 48 to 48 and a half. The hunt is on. Week 13 in the NFL. Let's mm-hmm. go. In our cups this week, it's international beers this time. I'm happy about it. An Imperial Stout from Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, Canada, eh? And an Oud Goose from Beer Cell, Belgium. See you, Tim. See you low-key trying to make waves. So I had to go ahead and just go whale hunting. That's what I'm doing this week. Follow us on Instagram at Stats of Matter and Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things sport and beer. Find Stats of Matter wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Tim, let's get into the show and start us off since you apparently are better than picks at me, better than life at me, you know, better at finding beer and getting all kinds of, you know, hordes of treasure. So <laughs> just go ahead and just just get your brag on. All right. Uh, so, yeah, this week, uh, definitely uh, this week was definitely a much better week for me. Pick wise, uh, I think I'm back in the five pick range. Last I last I took a gander. Um uh, but the beer, I actually had a treasure trove of beers. It was one of those weird weeks where I went from like not having anything to, uh, having, uh, a plethora of great beers. So I've been, and I've told you guys, I'm, I'm pretty burnt out a little bit when it comes to IPAs. So I've been venturing out to what I call the dusty section of the package store, the areas where people don't visit very often because they're not IPA sections. Uh, and in doing so... And this is why I would encourage you guys all to do the same. I found this magical little four pack of beers uh, <clears throat> from Collective Arts, which uh, I don't know. I think I may have talked about it once before in terms of my my fandom. I think Collective Arts does some really, really good stuff. They're pretty widely distributed. You can probably get them most places, but the beers are great. The can arts are always amazing because they feature like different artists that they outsource for some of these. But anyway, as I'm roaming through the dusty section, as I call it, which is usually stouts and barrel aged stouts and things that can be, you know, stored warm. I stumble across this little four pack of 12 ounce cans from Collective Arts. But as I spin the cans around to get an uh, an idea uh, as to what in uh, the beer inside of it is i start to see some pretty interesting labels on it and in two of those labels are ones you're going to be very familiar with uh one is a brewery called equilibrium and the other one Mm -hmm. is one i've been on record saying i'm a huge huge fan of uh and that is uh vitamin c brewing who seems in the last few years to go from like relative obscurity to collaborating with everyone and that is amazing that is amazing and this is no different so uh one of the cans so basically what happened is the collective arts partners with a couple of these breweries they send a bunch of limited four packs out and some of the bigger ones like the vitamin c collaboration the equilibrium collaboration sent out very quickly uh so to give ample customers the opportunity to experience it what my package store does is they break up all of those individual four packs and they create mixed four packs out of them so you get one from each of the variants that come out so my one pack my one four pack had four so that nobody missed out on it so 
I got one from vitamin C. I got one from Equilibrium. I got one from Lervig, which I think is international, and another one from um, uh, Garage Project, which is from Ooh, out of New Zealand. Yeah, I was gonna say it's from yeah. Wellington. Garage Project's really good. Yeah. Yep. So it's this really cool little mixed four pack. Uh, I had one of them the other day. It was phenomenal. They're all different too. The the beers that are in the cans are very different. Um, Tonight, I'm going to crack into the uh, Collective Arts Vitamin C collab. Uh, I was going to do one from a local brewery called Thomas Hooker Brewing. Met some of the guys tonight. Uh, the beers uh, that I had on, on draft there and some of the samples he gave me were fucking amazing. But it's a huge growler, and I'm not going to drink it by myself tonight, so I'm going to wait. Because uh, they said once I open it, I should probably drink the whole thing. So, um, anyway, that one was an easy, like, four and a half, four point eight 4.8 out of, out of 5. But I just don't think I'm going to drink it on the pot tonight. Uh, this one, it's an Imperial Stout aged in rum barrels with coffee, almonds, lactose, and Speculoos cookies. You know what a Speculoos cookie is? No. No, let's... Google let's machine... How do you even spell that? Cookies. Uh, traditional Speculoos cookies, as they're called in Belgium, are spiced oh. gingerbread shortbread cookies. Okay. That are typically made, are traditionally made, and eaten on St. Nicholas Day. So I'm guessing what, it's a... What are those gingerbread cookies we have here in America? The, the small little circle ones. G ginger snaps? Yeah, those are fucking terrible. Mm. I hope I hope well I don't want to I don't want to bury the lead. I hope this beer is a lot better than those cookies. I wonder if this is I feel like this is the kind of cookie that comes in those little uh like the tins. What are the Christmas tins everybody gets? <laughs> yeah, with the the blue tins with with the uh the little paper. Butter, those butter cookies. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Uh but anyway, we're going forward. Uh it's a big boy. It's uh even though it's a little 12 ounce can, it's 10%. Uh it's brewed out of uh, Hamilton, Ontario, but it is imported and distributed by Collective Arts in Stowe, Vermont. I've actually, years ago, had conversations via, I think, Instagram with uh, either whoever's in charge of the social media account or one of the head brewers back when they were a little smaller, and um, huge fan of whoever it is I spoke with in the brewery by... Um, all right, so that's the can, Sam, so you can see it. They all got this crazy art on it. Sam's oh, looking. yeah. No, I'm looking. Uh, it's pretty nice. It looks like a, like a mushroom and a... Uh... All right, so I've never, had, uh, I've never had a stout from, from vitamin C, but their IPAs are next level. I would put them up there with some of like the best I've ever had uh, easily. So anyway, let's see. Smells, I, I smell almonds and like sort of that coffee traditional stout flavor, but it's a little tricky because I got, I've had a cold for about two and a half weeks. So like some of my taste is off. I don't have COVID. I've already taken a taste. Right, I don't have <laughs> you said some of your tastes are off, but you can taste it. It's because I don't have any. It, it's when I get tired or later in the day, you, you kind of get run down, so your nose tends to run a little bit more when you have colds and allergies and whatnot. You, so 
Yeah, you are about 73,000 years old, too, so that has something to do with it, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, and you've not been drinking enough Grant Street mimosas in your life. Yeah. You know, a little Miller High Life, a little OJ, get your vitamin C, get the champagne. Yeah. Yeah, I blame my wife for Pretty this good. one. I went to Florida and came back without COVID and then immediately got a cold from my wife in her school. Um, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> so, uh, I think this, I think I'm a victim of my own expectations here because I saw vitamin C on it and was like, oh, I'm in. And I had one of the international variants the other day and it was phenomenal. This one, it's good, but not as good as I was expecting it to be uh given the two breweries that are on here in the descriptions i think for me it might be the rum barrel that it was aged in kind of gives it a, a a little bit of not an off flavor but typically with these you tend to get in bourbon barrels and whiskey barrels tend to give it kind of a sweeter flavor uh and that's not there in this one while it's not bitter it tends to feel like a little watered down in a flavor I can't really, I can't really put my finger on. But it isn't as, given the label, I thought this was going to be super sweet, and it's not super sweet. It's uh, it's sweeter than a normal stout. But I think the rum is what kind of, not not hides, but kind of disguises some of that sweeter flavor that's there. But not necessarily in a way I would have hoped it would have. I think this beer aged in some sort of uh, bourbon barrel probably would have been a much, much better hit. But I'm not the biggest rum fan these days. I mean, I haven't been since college when we were all drinking Bacardi and, and whatever else. <laughs> when, we uh, ruined, <laughs> when we ruined rum taste forever. Yeah, so... Well, I think in general, it's better than your traditional stout that you would get. Uh, it's not as good as I was hoping it would be. It has sort of like a, uh, uh, like a Coca-Cola style flavor to it, which is strange because that's not anything I would have picked from, from any of the description of what's in here. Almonds, lactose is supposed to make it a little sweeter. Maybe it's the ginger cookies mixed with the coffee and the rum that kind of gives it that. I don't. I don't I know. Like, that. Ginger cookies are fine, but there's there's something in here that doesn't just quite mesh the way I was I was hoping it would. Um, it's still good. It's still very good. It's better than a lot of like the traditional stouts I would have. Not as good as I was expecting given the can description and the collaboration. So for this one, I'm gonna give it a three seven. Yeah, pains me a little bit for uh, for a vitamin C, but it's my score, and, and now... I'm sticking to it. Now your boy is coming in. Look at this. Look at this green bottle. Tree uh, Fontaine. Uh, World renowned. Okay. This is a lambic beer, a spontaneously fermented beer with wild yeast that happened. They just pull it out of the air in Brussels. It's incredible. This is an Oogoos from Tree Fontaine. It's a blend of lambic beer, Agent Oak. Okay. Now this is blend number seven from season 17 and 18. It's the Cuvée Armand and Gaston. They've been blended from Lambics of seven different barrels originating from six different original beers. So Lambic method, you're mixing all the beers together uh, through different years, uh, and you get a great, great flavor out of it, apparently. Now, Dre Fontaine is one of those bucket list breweries. If you ever get a chance to go to it, um, it's, again, world-renowned. Oh, shit. Look at this. Tim, 
It says bottling date, 6 December 17, best before 26 October 37. Why the fuck am I drinking this now? Ugh. Well, too late. I, I had to I had to go. We were at the poker table with what's in my cup this week. You brought the beer. I had to bring the beer. I had to go up. Let's see what it what this is gonna be. Now it's, you can tell it's got the cage on it right here. All right, it's got a nice little cork. I have a feeling it's gonna be a nice little pop when it goes off. Now we'll very, very delicately do that because I don't want it exploding right near the computer. Let's see here. Sam, you look very you look very concerned opening that. I was I was fearful for your your vision. First of all, it smells incredible. Vinous, the vinous tart, a little acidic. Tell the people at it? home what vinous means, because I have no fucking clue what that means. Well, you see, it's sort of like you know, get the tannins from a grape, but vinous is like sort of like an acidic, like almost a vinegary take. Um, remember, it's one of those wild fermented beers. Like it, it's it has yeast from the air. You you can't get this anywhere else. It's not like you you grew the yeast strain in a lab. Oh, very good, very good. Smells good. But then again, I've had a couple of lambics, but this is this is the goat of lambics right here, Drefontaine. Um, Rip to Shelton Brothers. They used to be the importer. Yeah, COVID put them right out of business. They're no longer a thing. Uh, I was I was saying this earlier. You didn't you didn't react to it, so I'll say it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the bottling date was six December two thousand seventeen. Ooh, damn. Okay. It's best before twenty six October twenty thirty seven. I fucking I jumped on this beer probably a little too early. I mean, but this uh, come on, this is from two thousand seventeen. It's gotta be. It's gotta be good. It's, did you it's, did you get only, five years old. Did, did you only get one bottle of it? Yeah, yeah. It came in uh, my little uh, beer school box. So I've been just fanboying over this for like the last like three minutes. All right here we go. So good. Now, <laughs> admittedly, I don't I don't drink a lot of lambics or gooses, so I don't quite have the super frame of reference. Gooses, Loses the carbonation gooses, pretty quick. Gooses, gooses, gooses. Gooses uh, are salt sours. Gooses are not. Um, one thing I really do, do like about this. How do you spell gooses? G u e z e. It's in the show hmm. notes. Hmm. Uh -huh. Fair enough. Man. It definitely definitely has a snap on the nose. Kind of hits like a cold. What I would assume would be a European morning. Um, I really like it. I, I'm getting a lot of clean fruit flavors from this, and this is a very drinkable beer. Six point two percent. I I think this beer would be perfect on a on a crisp spring day. And I'm gonna go ahead and give this a four. This is this is an amazing beer. I don't really have a good frame of reference for it. We don't usually do <laughs> international beers, and we don't usually do blended beers uh, mm. like this is, which is a mixture of many different beers from different barrels. So I, man, I wish I knew a little bit more about this beer, but it's pretty good. All right. So that's what's in our cups this week. If you find Drew Fontaine or you can trade for it, you definitely should. Oh. And if you find this uh, collective arts, maybe rum barrels are your thing and they're just not Tim's thing, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. Tim, you close the gap before we start picks this week. I have 48 correct on the season. You have 48 and a half. 
So you have closed the gap. Yep. Five picks right this week. Had a chance to maybe go, you know, if my last pick, Washington versus Seattle, had hit, I, I would have got four right in the week and I would be one ahead, just barely in the league. But here we are, neck and neck. So <laughs> let's let's get into this. We let's uh, the, the Turkey yeah. Day triple header was pretty crazy. Starts off with the Chicago Bears versus the Lions. Picked the Bears in this one. I didn't really have faith in the Lions. Uh, short week. Look, this game was a disaster. Dan Campbell taking back-to-back timeouts, getting the penalty, letting the Bears pretty much wind the game down when they were kind of keeping this a really interesting game, and then they end up losing 16-14. to It was the Andy Dalton vindication game, but let's be honest, he didn't really do a whole bunch to uh, kind of get that going. There's just so much, like bad feelings that you have for the, for for these two teams. You know what I mean? And you're just like, well, someone's got to win this game. And you're like, come on, man. The Lions can't go 0-10-1. But now the Lions are 0-10-1. They're not 0-11. So, you know, they might be that first team to go 0-16-1 in a 17-game season. You know, it, it, could, it could happen. We don't know. But Turkey Day started out with kind of a dull thud. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm glad I got the pick right, started off the week strong, but uh, not a great game football-wise. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of, <laughs> we'll get into some of them, but there was not a lot of uh, great, I mean, there, there there was some good football games. There was a lot of really bad, bad football games that we're going to get into here. Um, <clears throat> Raiders and Cowboys, however, was not one of those games I wasn't entirely sure how this one was going to pan out the cowboys have kind of been falling flat uh vegas has been i sorry uh yeah the the vegas raiders haven't been all that consistent when i was counting them out they would bounce back and when i was banking on them they literally shit the bed but god damn it vegas <laughs> uh just when i say you know let's let's take a step back Let's look at a team struggling to find their footing. They come out and they blow up the scoreboard. Same thing with Cowboys. Just when we're like, hey, what's going on here? Both of these teams are, you know, kind of up in the air. We end up with a 33-36 overtime game. Um, Derek Carr dishing the ball out. Hunter Renfro looking like a superstar. This is a, a pretty entertaining game. Lots of back and forth in this one. Uh, both Carr and Prescott racked up about 375 yards apiece in the air. Neither one of them tossed a pick, so, you know, they're both taken away from this one. The big takeaway, though, uh, the Cowboys went up against a pretty formidable team, Short, Cooper, and Lamb, and they still managed to do quite a bit of damage against this team. Dak still has some work to do. He still has some cleaning up to do, but, I mean, he's looking a lot closer to what he was pre-injury until now uh, than he was the last two weeks. So, you know, maybe they're piecing it back together. Hopefully, they're going to move on and continue this stretch of, of decent games. You know, for them to win that game, the Raiders without Darren Waller for the majority of it, mm. I think was the craziest thing for me, really. Yeah. Uh, it was also a very bad week to go against Hunter Renfro in fantasy, but... <laughs> If you made it this far without facing him and having a 32-point day, congrats to you. Shout out to Nick, listener of this podcast, because you absolutely took me to the woodshed this week in fantasy. All right, 
the Thursday night slash Sunday night game on Turkey Day. Bills, Saints. I picked the Bills here. The Bills won handily, 31-6. to six. Um, Look, Trevor Simeon, whatever quarterback they got back there, they just paid Taysom Hill a bunch of money, and he's not starting a quarterback. I don't understand what the, what the team is doing. Uh, the defense used to be the bright spot there, and it used to be what the Bills weren't known for. And I think the Bills have been hearing a lot of the, the chat, right, a lot of the talk about maybe they're not the best team in the AFC. Uh, the Patriots have now gone pretty much even with them, if not by them for outright lead uh, in the division, if not the AFC as a whole. So it was time to kind of hit the panic button. This was a must-win game for the Bills. That's what they did. They won convincingly 31-6. to Now, if they had won 31-6 to against the New Orleans Saints that were you know, anchored by Drew Brees, I'd probably have a lot more praise, right? But they're relying heavily on a mismatch of running games. Matt Breida, who's been on a couple teams in the past few years, is a focal point. Stephon Diggs is having his games, but... Outside of a couple of big plays, Josh Allen is not nearly the prolific player MVP level that he was last year. And I think that we're going to see a lot more boring type games from the Bills. If it helps them win and you know get into the playoffs, then that's fine. But remember, we were talking about this team as an AFC favorite, right? We were like, oh, mm-hmm. they're definites to you know reface the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. We don't know who those, that team in New England is. They're never going to make it there. Like Josh Allen is prolific. There's no one's gonna be able to stop them. And they look like largely like a lot of the rest of the teams in the NFL this year. They come back down to earth. So happy to see them get the win 31 to six. Was it convincing on score? Yeah. But actual product of football, we're gonna have to see because this might be a fluke. Like, you know, I might, I might pick the Bills like you pick the Raiders or the Cowboys and they just might choose that day to shit the bed. So we'll see. There's <laughs> a lot of shit in the bed going on around here for real. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> All right, so moving on to the, the Bucks colts game. And going into this one, this one definitely made my butt pucker a little bit more than I had originally expected. I thought this one was going to go in and be one of those games that could potentially get out of hand the way Tampa's been playing. But the problem is they've been struggling with the injury bug. Uh, they're without a couple guys, but... On one hand, I've been talking about the Colts and the success they've had earlier in the season. Uh, I think they were a much better team than they were at the start of the season. I said as much last week, but this one, you know, is is a bit of a, a mixed bag because uh, Tampa tends to play to the level of their opponents. They've been doing that, you know, week in and week out, starting with, you know, a game against the Patriots where they thought they were the easy favorites. And then they kind of, I mean, they almost lost that game, but in this one, they both played pretty well. However, in a close game, it's almost always. And I mean, always going to go to Tom Brady. I'm sorry. When you're up against a guy like that, uh, anytime you give him the ball with a close game and anywhere near two minutes left in the game, you're asking for a disaster piece. That's exactly what happened. This was his 65th career game-winning drive, his 32nd career double-digit comeback, and it marks the ninth season with 30 passing touchdowns, which puts him one behind Drew Brees for the lead. I don't have to keep going about Brady. He won the Super Bowl last year. We all understand what's going on. In this game, he was without Browns. He was without Evans. Uh, He was limited to guys who could he could trust so in typical Brady fashion he kind of leans on where the opportunities present themselves and in this case it was Leonard Fournette pretty much the entire game 
not only did he kind of run all over everybody, he put together uh, a bunch of really strong key plays that kept drives alive, including the last drive of the game. Uh, the biggest surprise, though, is how many interceptions through this season up until today Carson Wentz has thrown. He had two in this game alone. How many has he had this season, Sam, do you think, if I had to tell you he threw two in this game? I'd say he probably has, like, 12. Yeah, he has three. Outside of this game, he has only had three interceptions in total. That's like two weekends for your boy and two games for Tom Brady. Like, let's be honest. Uh, but I'm telling you, the Colts as a team and the way Wentz has been playing, they're a sneaky good key, a, a sneaky good team that's not, I think, getting enough credit or being talked about enough because we already went over the statistics between how many points they score per game, uh, you know, the games that they've lost. They've all either come in overtime or been close games. This is a team that's somehow managing to fly under the radar, but is, in my opinion, one of the better teams in the league that might come back and surprise us later on as things kind of progress. It was a good day to have Jonathan Taylor or Leonard Fournette on your fantasy team. <laughs> if you find a way to have both. Look, you are probably the best fantasy football player ever. Look, look, I, I keep telling you guys, like, hey, back when this happened and back when that happened and, and things to remember and things to think of. But, but keep in mind, in like week three or four, I said, I feel like Carson Wentz is playing good football. They're just not finding ways to win. Right? Am I wrong? Yeah, you did say it. This is the thing, though. Last year, you said it was the Tannehill Redemption Tour because he was doing great. And, and what's he doing phenomenal. this year? And he ain't doing shit this year. So now you're saying Carson do Wentz mean, is doing great this year. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 focus on that for a quick second. What do you mean they're not doing well this year? Previous to this, I mean they've lost two straight, but they had a six-game winning We're streak. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Don't worry about it, Tim. I'm gonna talk about Jets Texans here. I. Come on, Texas. What the that's, fuck? That's, I needed you to Sam's, win this. That's but... Sam's way of bailing out when he knows he, he made a hot take that didn't, <laughs> that, that, that didn't work. All of my takes are hot. Some are just a little they more lost two in a row, the but they two of eight games. So I don't think that's exactly playing poorly. So carry on, sir. Always. Uh, wins are not a QB stat, and stats don't matter. Except this one should have really – I really need this one to go. Texas, what the hell, man? Come on. You lose 21 to 14 to the Jets. Zach Wilson comes back. He goes ahead and rushes for a touchdown. Guys like Austin Walter are getting rushing touchdowns. Brandon Cooks is catching 30 yard bombs from Tarot Taylor. Just what just a gross, gross game, all things considered. But you have a battle of two and eight. Someone's gonna win that game and go uh three and eight, and that's exactly what the Jets did. They are not going to make the playoffs, obviously, but the Jets really needed to kind of get people again to stop the chatter, right? Stop talking about our team. Yes, we're not the best. Maybe we can't stop anyone, but uh, we can win some close games here. And a one-score game between those two teams that are evenly matched, uh, the thing I thought was really great that the Jets did is they scored points in every single quarter. They made the drives count when they needed to. Unfortunately, the Texans scored all 14 of their points in the second quarter and did nothing for 45 other minutes. So you, you can't really win a game when you do that, um, especially when the Texans only had 200 total yards, 96 rushing and 100 and 
101 or 104 yards passing, you're not going to win a game that way. You just aren't, even if you had Tom Brady, unless the defense gets you about seven picks. And that just did not happen this game. So shout out to the Jets. I'm happy to get this one wrong. Uh, Jack. The worst. Uh, <laughs> Eagles and Giants. And holy shit. A dumpster fire. Just a complete dumpster fire. This game finished 13-7 to with the Giants taking the win. Jalen Hurts coming off an amazing game last week. One of the best so far of this season. Completely shit the bet here. Finished with only 14 completions of 31 attempts, 129 yards, zero touchdowns, and three. Yep, three interceptions. Can you guess what his QBR rating was on the day? And I purposely left it off the show notes so that you couldn't cheat. Mm. I'm going to say like... 35, 36. I'm going to give you one more guess. It's lower. <laughs> 21? 17.5. Oh, good Lord. It was bad. It was real bad. Uh, not a ton better on the Giants' side of the ball, but to be fair, this was their first game after firing their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. Uh, thankfully, the defense did come out to play. They recorded an interception in eight straight games. Three in this one, as we just mentioned. They included a huge stop at the end of the game, causing Boston Scott to fumble uh, within the last two minutes of the game. So, ultimately, not much in terms of positivity to take away from this. But, uh, you know, the Giants coming out, stringing together uh, a pretty decent defensive game against the guy who seemingly was on fire. I don't know if this is him kind of coming back down to earth or if this is kind of what we've expected because this is kind of what was going on in, you know, earlier in the season, but, uh, either way, terrible, boring, no good, very bad game. Not fun to watch. <laughs> Let me follow up that one with another no good, very bad game for my picks. That was Panthers versus Dolphins. I said, welcome back, Cameron Jarrell. Tim, you talked about the QBR of 17. What do you think Cam Newton's QBR in this game was? Oh my God. I know this was, I, he was five for 21. No touchdowns, <laughs> two picks. Five for 21. 92 total yards. God damn. Um, man, I, I, I have to say maybe the low 10s. I've never seen a, sing, a, a single digit before, but I mean, I'll say low 10s. 5.6. What? I've never you, seen such you know, a thing. I had never either. Um, and the memes on the Twitter sphere were absolute fire, as the kids say. Um, you know, a couple weekends ago when Cam won that game and he, you know, screamed into the camera, I'm back. Yeah, well, the I... meme this week was, I'm back. And it was like Patriots Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Like from five for 21, <laughs> like all these picks. Like he rushed for a touchdown, but Carolina lost Christian McCaffrey again. Again. He's out for been... the rest of the season Must... on IR. Must have tripped over a, a blade of grass or or, oh. or something. Hey, 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 hey. That guy won me some fantasy championships back in the day. Uh, 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 um, back in the day, he's not even that old. A stiff breeze must have blown through the stadium and knocked him over and tore some sort of ligament. Two two things Sorry. I did wrong. Uh, two things I did wrong. 
Once Christian McCaffrey came back, I dropped Chubba Hubbard to the waiver wire. He is now gone. I was only the, able to grab him again in a couple leagues. If he is available as a free agent, they're on bye this week. But if you need uh, a running back for your playoff push in fantasy football, you need to go get him if he's on the waivers. Go grab him right there. Uh, the dumbest thing I did this week, because I lost a game uh, to Nick. Shout out to Nick, listener of the podcast. I, I lost to him. I started Pittsburgh defense over at Miami. Now, Miami won this game 33-10. to 10. I left 26 possible fantasy points for defense out in the waiver wire. No one grabbed the defense this week. I just left it out there. And Oof. the worst part was that I dropped it like day of. I was like, yeah, the Steelers defense, you know, <laughs> Watts coming back. You know what I mean? Like, they got Minka back there. It's going to be great. What a fucking terrible idea. What a terrible idea. I just cannot believe that I did it. Um, it was really bad. Um, Miami was really guns blazing from the time this game started. They blocked a punt, and it was pretty much murder she wrote after that. The Dolphins are one of those teams that now five and seven, not necessarily out of the thick of things if they can go on a little bit of a streak here, but the Panthers pretty much swung for the fences. And now we're seeing the initial returns of that. Uh, maybe Cam isn't 100%, but we know Christian McCaffrey's not. You have to wonder what his future is going to be there. Uh, it's a very tenuous situation for Coach Matt Rule. And to get your ass whipped that bad by the Dolphins after you had, you had some really good character wins like within the last couple of weeks, it's very confusing. So there's something about the aura of the Carolina Panthers that needs a little fixing. I'm sure it will be fixed going on. Obviously, people have seen Cam play football for a long time. You know how to scheme against them. Uh, I like to see a little bit of zigging and zagging going on with this team, and I didn't really expect they would get their ass whooped by the Dolphins that bad. Jalen Waddle and Miles Gaskin just going off, doing their thing as is. And quite frankly, to a nice little rebound game here, you could say, was it a good game? But it's against a decent quality opponent in a quarterback battle at least. So very good for the uh, the Tua story, get him to come back up here again coming back from injury recently. So you're going to take that with a grain of salt, but a very good 33-10 win for the Dolphins. All right. So Titans, Patriots. Uh, I didn't have a lot of confidence going into this game. I picked the Patriots because I thought Mac Jones. And then you doubled down. You doubled down. Uh, no, 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 I didn't. What do you mean? What do you mean? I doubled down. Look, look, look at the show notes. You doubled down. This was the game that you picked. No, you picked this one. The stars are for the ones you picked because you thought they were going to lose. And the other stars is the one that I picked. Bengals, Steelers, where I thought the Steelers were going to... Uh, they were the opposite picks. Remember? We were trying to pick which one the other person got wrong. That's the purpose of the story. We both got it right. So, so, so our double down did nothing. No, they didn't. Um, I didn't think Joey was going to roar, but we'll get into that in a second. Uh... I, I, I took the Patriots because I thought Mac Jones and the offense was sort of hitting Ooh. their stride, but their defense, I'm going to ignore it, uh, <laughs> was starting to come around. And the Titans are kind of up and down a little bit, trying to figure out where they're at without their, their star running back. Uh, what I did not expect was this game, because, goddamn, a few weeks ago, you said they might fuck around and make the wild card. I countered and said they might fuck around and earn a spot or the top seed in the playoffs and kind of chuckled about it. Well, yeah, here we are a few weeks later and the Patriots have won their sixth straight 
in convincing fashion against a team that was really finding ways to win against some pretty big teams. Uh, and now they sit 8-4 and four on top of the AFC East. They didn't fuck around. And, and they had the tiebreaker over the Titans. Yeah, they did not earn a wild card spot. These motherfuckers might win home field if things continue on this way. Uh, they're a game back behind like the NFL leaders. I think we have a nine and two team and an eight and three team. Uh, so you know, once the pie goes around, we'll, see, we'll we'll end up seeing what happens. But it's their third win by twenty points. They've won six straight and they've outscored their opponents. A uh, hundred by a hundred and forty-eight points in that winning streak. Uh, New England's defense looks like defense of yesteryear. I've said it last week. I'm saying it again this week. It looks like a vintage Belichick defense. J.C. Jackson from New England uh, had an interception in this game. It's the seventh on the season so far. Mac Jones was playing his balls off. Three hundred and ten yards, a career high for him. Two passing touchdowns. He's the third rookie quarterback over the. The, the last 15 seasons to win six straight. Uh, the last two won offensive rookie of the year was Dak Prescott in 2016 and Griffin uh, in 2012. Robert Griffin the third. Uh, but again, this was a defensive-led game. Uh, they did not fuck around in this one. They held Ryan Tannehill to 93 yards. He was 11 of 21 he did throw a touchdown, he did have an interception, he did recover a lost fumble, and he also had a higher QBR rating than all of the lower QBR ratings we just talked about combined. He still managed to land around a, a, a 60, a 60.2. Mac Jones, that dude finished Ooh. with 123.2 rating. That guy, I'm st it's still way too early to buy into all of the hype. I'm not there yet. I've seen a lot of stats thrown up on the screen that compare him in his first season to Brady's first season, and they are scary close. Brady, in my opinion, is a once-in-a-lifetime player. I don't think we're going to see someone of that caliber. However, he's shaping up to look like a pretty good dude, and... If you're the Bills and you thought you were coming into this season running away with the division and now you're looking up at a Patriots with a rookie-led team, not a great feeling. But if that defense continues to function the way that they're functioning with everyone staying healthy and Mac Jones continues to develop, and I say develop because the dude is getting better exponentially every single week. Every time you see him, he's not obsessed with the deep ball like you see a lot of the rookie quarterbacks are. He's not obsessed with the big plays. He's not scrambling and running for downs. He's literally making smart, smart decisions from the pocket, working through his progressions, and making very, very good throws over some defenders who are some of the league's best defenders. And again, I'm holding up and I'm not, I'm not drawing the comparison, but I have to say there are few quarterbacks in the league over the last few years who have really perfected that, and they're very big names. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and now you see some of the similar characteristics in Mac Jones and what he's displaying. Ooh. He needs... <laughs> He needs to he 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 needs more of it and it's more than just one season. This is his first season, but holy shit. Like if you're Bill Belichick and you're the Patriots and then you're their scouting team and you're the guys who drafted this guy when everybody else was starting to panic when they saw him fall down the list but still didn't make a move for him, 
they have to be kicking themselves a little bit. It's it's going to make looking the, at you, San Francisco. It's going to make the conversation after this season, and if he's successful going into next season, it's going to make the Brady Belichick who needed who and who was better conversation very interesting because then it starts to say, okay, well maybe. Was it the developmental process of the Patriots that helped lead Brady to the skill where he's at? And again, I don't think that's an argument that ever needs to be made. I think they're both, it was it was a recipe, like a perfect storm, where you had a generational quarterback with arguably the best coach that's ever coached that happened to land on the same team. It doesn't have to be a who or what is better. However... What's happening? It's part of the conversation. You kind of have to entertain it at least for a minute. And if, if Mac Jones continues this for the next couple of years, are we really going to say lightning strike twice? Or maybe do we look at the way they develop young talent in New England? And maybe we say, maybe the conversation that Brady was a byproduct of New England, not just sheer talent, but in my opinion, I think it's more a honing of talent, recognizing talent, and taking advantage of talent, if I'm being honest. So, again. You know who needs to recognize? Yeah, who? Who needs to recognize some talent is the, uh, the goddamn Pittsburgh Steelers. Because um, <sighs> their season is in a full-blown free fall. And I can say all the shade on this because I watched them play. They beat Seattle in primetime a few weeks ago. But, um, look. Steelers fans, I know you, I got a couple to listen to this podcast. You lose 10 to 41 to a team in the division that used to regularly beat. And when you have analysts going on TV saying that teams used to fear the Pittsburgh Steelers and they no longer, there's been so much drama. There's all this. We want to do more with TikTok dances. We want more listen about music at practice and all this other crazy shit. But it doesn't matter. You only have to watch Big Ben attempt to throw touchdowns to see Unfortunately, that his body is not where it needs to be. Um, there are times where he will throw a pass and no one will be within five yards of him and then he'll just fall. It's like he has so much power when he throws that he is no longer possessing the ability to keep himself mirrored and anchored to the ground. <laughs> um, at first, I thought it was funny. And now I'm just like, oh, this is kind of sad. Like, this is not a very good way for Ben Swansong. I know he wanted after last year's moderate success to come back and, and sort of give it one last good old college try. Uh, but this is not good. Um, through a pick six in this game, through another interception, through 41 times for only 263 yards. Meanwhile, hashtag let Joey roar. 20 passes. He connected on 24 attempts. One touchdown, one pick. Joe Mixon, 165 yards on 28 attempts, two touchdowns. T. Higgins, six receptions, buck 14, plus a touchdown. They did, the Bengals, whatever they wanted to in this game, and it got out of hand pretty quick. And, in fact, it was like 41-3 to until the fourth quarter where Big Ben found Pat Fryermuth, and they managed to make it a decent game, a respectable game. You didn't get shut out, but you kind of did, really. Like, like you, you got a, a garbage-time touchdown, and this was probably the biggest dismantling um, that Steelers fans did not want to see. They knew the cliff was coming, right? They've been talking all these years. Oh, Brady's near the cliff. Oh, all this. And everyone's like, what about Big Ben? They're like, no, 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 he's fine. That, Big Ben's not overweight. That's just who he is. He's Big Ben. Still throw the touchdowns. We still can develop wide receivers. We're going to be fine. We got the defense. Mm-hmm. And at this <laughs> point in the season, you would have expected them to win more games, but they're not. 
And it literally looks like there's team division. Looks like the quarterback is attempting to, to play hero ball, but really I wonder how much is left. And when people are openly challenging the coach in the media and the coach is responding in the media about the player instead of dealing it like in-house, it just, it just reminds you, like, look what happened a few years ago when the Steelers had the killer bees, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Big Ben. We know now through all the reporting that Le'Veon was a prima donna. It was so difficult to deal with. And we know that Antonio Brown really, until he filmed the inside of that locker room, which he wasn't supposed to, <laughs> he, he kind of took some artistic liberties. In a sense, this should have been the most stress-free season for the Steelers. They have a great defense. They really do. You have Najee Harris. He can take a lot of the work off of your shoulders. He's being mentored by Jerome Bettis, one of your franchise's cornerstones. And you have a speedster in Chase Claypool. I understand that Juju went down. You got Ray Ray McLeod. You got the tight ends that are coming back up. You have all the pieces there. This has been one of the weirdest games. It's like if you had ever handed someone the controller to Madden in franchise mode with this team and you played against an easy schedule, you'd win a lot of games. The Steelers should be winning games. And instead, they let a team that the first time they played them this season said, you know, we really felt like they gave up. We really felt like they didn't have any heart. And then they went out and played a second game against them and got their asses whooped on an even grander scale. I think Big Ben is not there next year. I think everyone points to this game as a reason why. And I I don't want to be the guy who calls it prematurely. Um, or, you know, if he decides to come back for another swan song year. But Ben, from all of us at Stats Matter Podcast, <laughs> might be time to kind yeah. of take the cleats, put them in one of those glass cases, get some signatures from your teammates, and then do what Drew Brees is doing, which is go on and shade the quarterback and starting for your team, you know, during primetime broadcast. I think it's a much better way for them uh, to kind of go out. I, I feel bad for Steelers fans, um, friends with a lot of them. This is not the team that they wanted to field this year. And I, I understand that just do all the struggles that Seattle's having. However, I'm going to caveat that with however, with as much injuries and as much team dissension that is going on right now, it is brutal. And I feel quite bad for Steelers fans. Hashtag let Joey roar. All right, question. How much of that could be uh, his offensive support? Because his offensive line seems to be struggling with protecting him. He had two fumbles. Uh, he lost yeah. one of them in this game. He threw two interceptions because he was kind of rushed. Some of it's inaccuracy, but there was a few games where we're like, oh, shit, Big Ben is Big Ben. He's back. But I'm torn. I but think, I think what, a lot what, of it has to be... Fall off, and maybe yeah, I, I really think it is right. There, there's always been a point in the last few seasons where Ben has had one of those 374 touchdown games, and you're like, wow. And you've been seeing glimpses of this year, like you were saying, he looks like he's putting it together. I don't think he's crested the 350 yard mark at least once the season. I yeah, don't think he's had a four touchdown game, right? But, but it is, but three, like Big Ben used to be able to do that. Like, like, uh, 350. I don't. I don't. There aren't many players. I mean, we're seeing guys like Tom Brady who are under 200 yards in the game. They're like 140, you said 150, that early in the season. You said that we were going to see a lot more of that, and that's. I think that's what quarterbacks are are doing this year. They're throwing it 25 times. They're connecting on 20 of them, and they'll say, "I'll take the 200 yards. I'll take the check down." And for as wind. much receiver depth as they have there, and how they're how good they are developing, I just would have thought that things would have been a little bit different and. 
Ben, when he's had flashes, has been good. But Ben has spent too many games this season right around 200, 220 yards. And that's just not what we're used to seeing from them. But they're 15th in the league in terms of passing yards per game. So, like, yeah, perfectly that's middle because of the pack. That's the other 17 teams in the league are fucking atrocious just here. <laughs> that's that's but, why. I mean, so. they're, averaging, they're averaging 238. I mean, uh, they're literally like behind Baltimore by like two point. I mean, uh, two positions. And Baltimore is like another one of those teams that you thought was going to be crazy this year. But the, for for reference, the Texans only had 200 total yards in their game against the Jets, right? So you're telling me you only have 30 more yards than the Jets do? I mean, sorry, than the Texans do against the Jets? Like you don't expect that with a team of Pittsburgh's caliber and the talent they have. That's that's just the point that I'm trying to make there. I, yeah. I just expected a little bit more, especially for a swan song season. If you if you swan song it and you go into the playoffs and you lose you lose, but at this point you're not even going to make it there. Do you know who's uh you know who's 14 on that list right between Baltimore and the Steelers though? Like this this kind of goes to the point I was talking about. What who would you guess? Um, hmm. I'll give you I'll give you a hint. They average 240 yards per game passing. I probably uh, I want to say either the Broncos or the Colts. New England. Oh. That that kind of puts it in perspective, right? That they're literally right behind New England, who we just talked about as having a, like a pretty. New England has offense. a rookie quarterback. New England has a rookie quarterback, not a guy who's been to yeah. two Super Bowls and you but know got winning, some rings. Like, but a, a winning season that we're literally like gushing over. I mean, uh, Buffalo is seventh with two hundred seventy-one. Just you, on on principle, I'm 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 very dormant, and I you, and you I will not I'm, be taking I'm any I'm questions. Really gushing? Do you not watch any <laughs> sports news? <laughs> No, all right, I got it. We we could we could talk all day about this. Tim, get into the Falcons Jags. Oh my god, Another I'm gonna save you guys. You. I'm gonna save you guys a, a lot of time on this one. Uh obviously Falcons won this game. The Jaguars are just ah man, I I can't put my finger on why they are as bad as they are, but Jesus Christ, they are very very bad. Uh, I know everybody was hyping ad nausea uh, coming into this season with Trevor Lawrence taking over as the quarterback position, but they're 31st in the entire league in points scored per game. They average only 15 points per game. Points allowed per game, they're 26. So that combination of those two uh is not great they're also terrible on the defensive side and creating turnovers they rank last in the league passing yards per game they're 24th it's just nothing on this team is matching up and i don't know if necessarily it's something you can point at at trevor lawrence and say okay this is his fault uh maybe you start turning an eye towards Urban Myers and say, hey, man, what's uh, what's going on here? Because we're starting to notice a trend. What's going on? Rushing your rookie quarterback uh, into a starting position this early, probably not a great idea. Uh, game planning, game in and game out, definitely not a, a great idea. So there's literally nothing to take away from this game. On that side of the ball, other than the fact that Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, only threw one interception. It was 23-42, 228 yards, touchdown, an interception, uh, a recovered fumble, and he did end up rushing uh, for 40 yards. But 
Something there is just not gelling. I don't know where it is. I, I, I haven't watched enough of the games to kind of really pinpoint, but something is definitely askew, and I my gut tells me it's game planning, and it's taking advantage of what you have on the field. They're just I think you're putting too much faith in a rookie quarterback who probably could have used a couple uh, – could have used a couple years of development to sit behind someone – I wouldn't be surprised if they go that direction uh, going into next season. But Matt Ryan, he had a decent game, 19 to 29, 190 yards, threw a touchdown, threw another interception. He's had a couple of those in some pretty key moments this season. So uh, I don't, though, necessarily think it's him that's causing a lot of the downfall of this team. Um, they're just another one that's kind of like a head-scratcher. I don't think they have enough individual contributors who are stepping up, and Ryan's having to kind of take a lot of that heat. They put up a bunch of big scoring games and still lost, so they're just not able to to completely put it together. Cordell Patterson, though, surprisingly enough, like I was a huge fan of him when he was on the Pats. I know he's gone on and done other things. I, I, I've been a fan kind of as he's moved around. This is his first game ever with more than one touchdown. He had two touchdowns in this game, 108 yards, so quickly becoming, uh, you know, that and, and adopting and taking over the starting running back position uh, for the Falcons, or at least their most reliable guy because he's he's big, he runs downhill, and he looks great. So at least the one takeaway from this game is that's fun to watch. But, man, Falcons having a hard time putting it together. But, the man, the Jaguars, I can't put my finger on what that is. I can't help but think that it's something to do with coaching. I think so, too. I think that the speed of the game is not what Urban Meyer is ready for, but – it happens. All right, we went to the 4 o'clock games here. Back to the Chargers. They get their asses handed to them by the Broncos, 28-13. to 13. Um, Herbert, 300 passing yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy two gloves, tossed it 18 times, connected on 11 of them, one touchdown. This was all the Javonta Williams game, uh, 54 yards on the ground and a TD, 57 yards through the air and a TD. Um, capitalizing some of those turnovers. Um AFC West is weird, man. And now because of this game and the way that the Broncos kind of showed out against a team they're fighting, you know, in the division, the Chiefs-Broncos game that was supposed to be at 4 o'clock actually took the Sunday night football slot, which Seattle was supposed to go against San Francisco. But mm, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, they flexed it out. They flexed it out, man. And you know what? I'm happy. The Broncos, a lot of them were like, why did you give up Vaughn Miller? Now look what he's done on the Rams. They've not won football games since he's got there. Meanwhile, everything in the Broncos' room is kind of going a little bit more their way. They've still got some games. They've got to figure some stuff out. But I think it's huge that the Broncos are now 6-5. and five. They have the tiebreaker right now over the Chargers. Uh, that's big in the division, and it's a weird, weird season. I don't think necessarily we can we – can, fully wrap our heads around why a team like the Chargers loses because they have so much talent on both sides of the ball. But I think it's just maybe it's some coaching things, maybe it's some decisions, but we're going to be, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to go for it on fourth down. And I think that some of the things just aren't going their way. And then they get caught sleeping on a game. And, you know, the team like the Broncos drops 14 on them in the fourth quarter. That's never good when a team can do that at will, especially when they're in your, your division, because that is the thing that kind of gives them a little confidence later on in the season. Should you play again, they're like, nah, we're not worried about you. Uh, we, we know you're vulnerable. So, you know, shout out to the Broncos. Way to, way to get that win and make that pick wrong, which should have been an easy pick. And I 
should be in the lead here, but you know, I digress. Uh, Packers Ram. I, I, I picked this one strictly out of, I would say short-term bias Rams going into the season. were a Super Bowl favorite Packers, uh, stumbled out of the gate, but quickly kind of refound their, their footing and people started talking about it. I hadn't quite bought in, bought in still not hundred percent sure. However, this game may have kind of progressed that conversation a little further. Packers ended up winning this one, uh, 36 to 28. Um, uh, another just superstar performance from, uh, Rogers, uh, his 30th career game with both a passing and a rushing touchdown. It's the third most in history behind, uh, Cam Newton and the, uh, Hall of Famer Steve Young. For those what about you, his COVID toe, though? Uh, you know, it was, what, was it, what did you say it was? It was something worse than turf toe, but he didn't know what it was. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Joe Rogan probably diagnosed it, so, you know. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. I, I hate how this whole thing has kind of changed the way that I view Aaron Rodgers, for better or worse. Uh, it just, his whole approach to this whole situation has been, you know, just... If, if it were Tom Brady in his shoes doing this, do you know how everyone would just be talking about how arrogant he was and how he was the worst and mm-hmm. the pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we were all hating on Tom Brady in his pseudoscience for eating avocado ice cream and shit? And now we yeah, have a guy telling us he's hating like, on what's that? Yeah. People are also hating on Tom Brady because he made some comments that were misconstrued during the beginning part of the pandemic about how like, you know, sometimes the earth, like, you know, puts an equalizer out there and he, you know, he wrongly associated some COVID stuff with that. And and, People rightfully so were like, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why did you say some of that stuff? Madonna said the same thing. It was chic for a lot of celebrities to do that. So when he went and did this thing, and I'm like, all right, dude, whatever. You, you and your John Wick hair and, you know, you're, you're all woke Aaron Rodgers now. Like, okay, cool. Break your own medical updates on the, on the Pat McAfee show every week. Good, for, good for you. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, you, you, you took, you took a, a preseason off and suddenly you're like a, a science expert. It's very strange. Um. Uh, Rain man. Yep. Anyway, when it comes to football, uh, the man is uh, playing playing some very very good football. <clears throat> uh, he finished this week twenty eight to forty five at three hundred seven yards, two uh, two touchdowns. Didn't turn over the ball once. Uh, and again, he had a uh, a nice one yard touchdown to to check the box for that combo, but. The Rams are kind of interesting. This is their third straight loss. It's tied for the longest streak underneath McVay. Uh, they lost three straight in 2019, but they haven't lost more than three straight since he has taken over. So you don't suspect that this is going to, to happen, but if you were a betting man, you probably would have uh, picked this one because this is the 17th meeting overall between Rodgers and Stafford. And Rodgers uh, has a lead 13 to 4. And this is a four <laughs> straight win. So you kind of saw this one coming. And I mean, OBJ, he's back. I mean, he is out. No, no, he's not really back. Uh, it's his first, uh, his first touchdown with the Rams and his first touchdown since October 4th of 2020. Uh, he went 10 games without a uh, uh, recorded touchdown. So. As much as we want to blame Baker, you know, 
I don't know if I'm yeah. going that direction, but he had five receptions. He had 81 yards. Uh, the longest is a 54-yard bomb that that looked pretty good. So uh, hopefully that kind of evolves and changes a little bit. Rodgers was uh, slinging the ball mostly to his you know normal go-to get out of jail free cards. Devontae Adams had 104 yards. Randall Cobb had 95 yards, and then. He had several other guys who were in uh, double digits, including A.J. Dillon. He had 21 yards in the day. He also had 69 yards on the ground. Not the most productive outing. It was 69 yards on, on 20 attempts. So uh, something to be said about the the, uh, the Rams' defense, which you know is one of the best in the league. But the Rams are quickly turning into a team we thought were Super Bowl favorites into what seems like a, a higher-end middle-tier team. The schedule coming up gets a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit dicey as things go on, but there's definitely some room for them to kind of turn some of this stuff around. Uh, you know, with the signing of Von Miller and some of those guys, this, this is supposed to be a team that was, uh, supposed to be pretty, pretty potent, but we're not, we're not seeing that, uh, just yet. So coming up. They have uh, the Jaguars, should be an easy win. Cardinals will be a test. Seahawks, which is probably an easy win. Uh, and then the Vikings. Ravens is up and down, and they got the Niners again. So, uh, you know, you could pick up a couple wins in there pretty easily, but there's a few kind of question mark games in there depending on, on you know, how they go. They They beat the Seahawks the last time. They lost to the Cardinals the last time, so... Both of those games can kind of go up and down. So a team that was uh, previously a Super Bowl favorite, maybe on the outside looking in right now. Yeah, definitely. Another team that I thought was probably going to turn around a little bit uh, more than what they actually ended up doing was Minnesota Vikings against the 49ers. Uh, I thought that even though the Vikings had their early season stumbles, they've they kind of fixed some stuff and the 49ers had some stumbles too. Uh, I said it was going to be a killer game, and, and that's what it was. 34-26. Um, one of the biggest moments in this game was Robbie Gould missing a 42-yard field goal at the two-minute warning. Minnesota's down eight. They drive down the field, and incomplete after incomplete after incomplete. Just wasn't meant to be. You're going to see the gaffable moment of Kirk Cousins lining up underneath the wrong lineman as they're driving down the field. But I think the biggest thing to remember here is that the 49ers are a mirage. And what I mean by that is they look like on paper, like, oh, this is a great opponent. We, we match up really well against them. Their defensive line is not that strong anymore. We're going to be fine. Where their defensive line lacks, their secondary is mostly good. And they can draw offensive plays up for any player, anytime, anywhere in the field. Debo Samuel, again, just all these rushing touchdowns for a wide receiver. It's super weird. They make jet sweeps like so good that as another, like an outside team, you're jealous of like how they can just put this on film every week. And teams like, Oh, oh, oh it's a jet sweep. We're going to stop this. And then they fail to stop it every time. Uh, Eli Mitchell, Brandon, Ayuk. it doesn't matter. It, Jimmy G is looking more and more serviceable. Now I do believe they've lost too many games to go ahead and be the number one seed. Right, there has to be so many things in the NFC for other teams to fall pretty much flat on their faces. But I do think that the 49ers probably have a strong chance to be a playoff team this year. They're currently in the second wild card spot. And to be honest, they could probably be up there a little bit should other teams in the West start slipping. Um, 
that's bad. That's bad because Shanahan is an aggressive coach. Um, he, he likes to subscribe to the very fuck it, let's go for it mentality. And at this point in the season, you've got players that are bought in, and now they're starting to win games. That could be a very dangerous uh, recipe going forward. But Vikings, 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 Vikings. You you held a team that was thoroughly whooping your ass to zero points in the fourth quarter, which is a feat in itself. And then you cannot score a single point. And you line up underneath the wrong person on fourth down. I don't get it. I really don't get it. There, like, is there something out there? You know, like you remember uh, Bird Box when Bird Box came out, and everyone's like, "There's like something in the air, and like you can't look at it because if you do, you go crazy." Like, there's something that's making, or like the Space Jam, never, right? Never Where seen that. If you, if you didn't, didn't, you didn't never watch seen Space movie. Jam. No, I've seen Space Jam. Never saw Bird Box. Oh, uh, Bird. Okay, well, the Bird Box, you know, reference might not make a lot of sense, but <laughs> Space Jam, right? Like all these players were losing their talents, right? Because obviously that you're touching infected balls. <laughs> that sounded so fucking weird to say. I don't even know where we're going anymore. <laughs> Sam, eject, eject, eject. (laughs) I'm just just saying, it seems like, you know, over the past couple of seasons, reputable quarterbacks have had very big brain farts in big moments for no reason. Like Tom Brady on fourth, it's fourth down? No, Tom, that was fourth down. You know, he ended up going to win the Super Bowl, so it was fine. But, like, Kirk Cousins lining up underneath his own wrong offensive lineman, fourth down in a game you have to win? No. Amazing. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's something in the air that made him lose his mind, like what happened to the players in Space Jam. And with that, I'm going to yield back time. I, I, I'm with you guys. I have no idea what he just said, uh, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Browns, Ravens. Uh, man, I, this, I don't even know what to say about this game. This game was a fucking dumpster fire. This is really bad. Yep. And what makes it worse is the Browns go into this week on a bye. And do you know who they play when they come back? The Ravens again. I didn't know that was a thing. I've never yep. seen that in all of the scheduling history that I've actually paid attention to. A team play a team, go on to a bye, and then come back and play that same team when they get back. Never seen it. Uh, the football gods, and by gods, I mean the NFL, you know, commissioner league or, or whatever they're called that comes up with a schedule uh if they're yeah. listening we, we really appreciate you give us tickets to the game yep we would love to help you also pick out the schedule because this is terrible i don't even understand what this is so <laughs> uh this this is literally the points scored throughout the game it finished 16 to 10 it uh in the first quarter of the game baltimore had three points the second quarter both teams scored three points in the third quarter. They both scored seven. In the fourth quarter, they both scored three. In that time, the amount of turnovers were insane. There were two turnovers by um, the Browns. They had two lost fumbles. Uh, Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions on the day. And all of it came all six of these turnovers came within like six minutes of each other. It was the strangest. It was the strangest thing I think I've ever seen. If you look at it statistically and you're looking at just the scoreboard, Baltimore, they're five and one at home this season. They're the only AFC team without multiple home losses. 
16 points in the second fewest, you know, by a start by Lamar Jackson. So that's obviously not that great. But, man, interceptions on three consecutive possessions all in the second quarter. Four interceptions, the highest in his career. Previously, was back in 2019. He had three against uh, Pittsburgh. It was not a great look. I don't, it was like listening to the game was the strangest thing. As uh, the first quarterback to win a start with four interceptions since like Andy Dalton back in 2013. Uh, it, it's everything about it just didn't stack up. It didn't make any sort of sense. Baker Mayfield clearly not playing at the best of his ability. That man is hurt. He needs some time yeah. off. Unfortunately, there's nobody to come in and, and help. He was 18 to 37. Even with that, he had 247 yards. So he, he threw a touchdown. He did lose a fumble, but the, he's out there trying to do the best that he can. He was he was obviously limping in more than one instance, walking off the field after taking a couple hits. Uh, but it is his sixth start this season with 14 or fewer points. It's the 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 most of any quarterback that has started any games this this season. So Nick Chubb completely absent from this game. He only had 16 yards. So it's uh something's uh something strange going on with the Browns right now. Baltimore keeps finding ways to win games, albeit very, very sloppy games. This is one that could have gone either way, but timely turnovers were were a big deal. It was it, it all took place in the the second quarter and the third quarter. After that, it was basically you know just more uh, slow, methodical, poor. I I don't even know how to describe this game, but it was not what we were expecting it to be. That commentators, anybody watching it, it was just it was a it was a fucking shit show. You thought they were going to put it together coming out of the half, but uh, it was more of the same. Not. <laughs> not the best game of the weekend. The fact that they have to play them again in two weeks is uh, mind-blowing to me. But uh, both these teams need a lot of work, but hopefully the, the time off gives Baker a little extra time to kind of get his shit together. Maybe he should just nap for the next 14 days until he has to come back and play <laughs> with some of his yeah, bones. Maybe. Damn. Well, that Sam. was the Sunday night game. Sam. Let's finish. Sam. Yes. Damn. Yeah. I yeah. know, I know, you're building it up, but I gotta ask you. You were at this game, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you sent me the cool picture. That was those are fantastic seats. They were. Shout out to my wife, MVP but, every but year. What? What did? What did? What did? Tipsterdama say? <laughs> yeah, you said that uh, Russ probably gonna throw a pick, and he threw a pick, and said they probably weren't gonna win this game, and they didn't win this game. <laughs> I uh, feel let, bad for it, but you know. Tim, you know, in seasons past, I probably would have been like, what the fuck? I would have gotten all upset. Look, this is going to sound really weird, okay? This isn't a cry for help. You don't need to ask me to blink twice and use the Morse code <laughs> if, if I need to be rescued from my fandom of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Russ is not 100%. Straight up. He's just not. I appreciate that he came back. I really do. Um, because we were not a great team. We have not been a great team when uh, when he's not been there. Straight up. we just They, they just aren't. Russ is maybe 75, 80%, but we don't need 75, 80% Russ. We need 100% Russ. The overthrows were like, I mean, I was six rows up from the field, and on that first three and out, he he overthrew Gerald Everett so far that it bounced like pretty much in front of the player's bench. And I'm thinking, this bounce goes my way. I might get a game ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he really fucking chucked that thing. 
But then he had to touch past the tire locket, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm back in this. Then there was the blocked uh, point after uh, attempt that the big man brought it back 90-some-odd yards. The whole stadium was going crazy. I'm talking to fans in the game. I'm like, this is going to be crazy. Seattle goes down. Washington couldn't couldn't kick field goals anymore because your kicker was questionable for the rest of the game because he pulled something trying to catch down the big guy on the, on the, the PAT block. So they're going for two all the time. Jamal Adams gets a timely interception, his second of the year, which if this was game four, game six, game eight, I'd be like, oh, awesome. However, this is the 12th game, and he's just got his now second interception. Um, they did everything they possibly could. Uh, the defense, which was much maligned in the beginning part of the season, is now sixth in scoring defense this year. But the offense is atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious. There is no running game whatsoever. Adrian Peterson has now been signed to the Seattle Seahawks practice squad because Alex Collins and DJ Dallas and Travis Homer – and Josh Johnson, and every single person that you don't know who's on the Seahawks roster, but I do, who's a running back, has not been able to get it done. And I just think that there's something fundamentally off. There's a funk that's about this team this year. There's rumors about whether it's DK and his off-the-field antics or how Russ lost his um, his neutral thinking, mental coach uh, this year. There's been so much bad shit that's happened, and his finger exploded, and he tried to come back. I love that the team competes. And I know they're going to win a few more games this year. I have resigned. There's a 1% chance they're going to make the playoffs. About a 103% chance they're not going to make the playoffs in, in my mathematical assertion. But I'm okay with the fact that I saw sparks of a great Seattle team. The defense held a team that walloped the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They held them to 17 points. That's, that's pretty good, all things considered. Now, you can't stop a team when you're on the field for 48 minutes of a 60-minute game. You're just not going to win a game that way, right? So Pete has got some shit to figure out. Everyone's saying fire Pete. Everyone's saying John's got to go. Everyone's saying all this stuff. But this is the thing. Russ is still under contract. Pete and John just signed contract extensions. And this is a very, very bad season. This is going to be the second year of a 10-year reign in which they've not made the playoffs. 80% of the time, you may get to the playoffs. This is a very, very bad year. Seattle has $50 million in cap space coming up next year. Russ is going to get healthier as the season goes on. He's going to attack the offseason. They're hopefully, knock on wood, going to make some good acquisitions in, in free agency. And we're going to see a much different team next year. However, I have to say, seeing this team play last year in front of no fans and going 12-4 and four, and then watching them now rocket towards probably a 7-9 and nine season at best is devastating as a fan, to know that your team is playing like dog shit. Because the players, after every game, are so upset with everything that's going on, and the coaches just seem to be in a, in a mental funk right now. We don't know how to get out of it. We They don't know how to get out of it. I'm very thankful that I was able to see this team play twice this year. However, I would like to take this time to announce that I will not be visiting any more Seahawks road games as my record in those games <laughs> is zero, zero, zero. I will only be traveling to Lumen field for Seattle Seahawks games. And if I can't make it because it's too expensive, fuck it. I'm not going. I don't care if they play in my backyard. I'm not showing up to the game because I am no longer the good luck charm. This is, I'm not taking any questions at this time, Tim. Thank you for closing out and hearing me on this pick. Let's move into hold on, hold week on, number hold 13. On, hold on, hold on. I, don't, I don't mean to beat a man down. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on some of these numbers. Okay. I'll save the best for last. <clears throat> right now, Seattle is 25th in points scored per game. They only score, on average, 19 points per game. Passing yards per game, they're 26th. 
Rushing yards per game, they're 25th. Defensive passing yards allowed per game, they are 31st in the league with 274. Defensive rushing yards allowed per game, they're 23rd. So it's really difficult to kind of pinpoint. However, the only saving grace is overall the defense in points allowed per game is sixth. So they have a very bend, but don't break defense. Uh, mm-hmm. They're behind the Bills. Allegedly, that's what the stats say. Well, they're behind the Bills. They're behind the Patriots. They're behind the Broncos, yeah. the Cardinals, and the Bengals. It's, and then they it's are been an sixth. absolutely brutal turnaround. Because the first part of the year, the defense was so bad, and Russ was bailing them out, and the offense was prolific, and now it's like a complete, complete turnaround. Um, I did expect more out of a guy who was in the Sean McVay coaching tree, right? Now I'm wondering if we got the coach who had coffee with Sean McVay a couple of times and talked <laughs> his way into a job. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he knows what he's doing, right? But yeah, the offense is off. Russ is not 100, percent and I could say that. I could say that the defense is doing a lot better now. But when Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs. Jamal Adams, when they're on the they're on the field for three quarters, you're not stopping anyone at some point. You're just not. So you have to you have to look past it. And in the past, when you had the Legion of Boom, you had Marshawn Lynch and Russ and Doug and Tyler and um, a great center, right? And Max Unger, you could do whatever you wanted. You could win a game 1917 and be like, oh my God, butthole puckering the entire time, thinking, oh, I believe we're gonna get it. I walked out of the stadium. I was I was getting ready to walk out after Russ went down. He found Freddie Swain for that touchdown, and then they, he got intercepted on a two-point conversion because he tried to play hero ball there, right? Washington completely baited him into it. Then they had the—I was walking up the stairs to leave the stadium, and then I heard the whole stadium go crazy because of the onside kick. What the fuck? How are you the special teams captain? You've been there, Nick Bloor, many years, and you line up on the wrong side of the hash. So we miss a perfect onside kick opportunity, and I just looked back, and I was like— Three years ago, Seattle had made this onside kick, and we would have been, oh, my God, we have, we're still in this game. We have a chance. And now I'm like, this is just a product of the season. I have I, I have much love for, for Seattle. I, I am an ardent supporter of them. I have the Sunday ticket so I can watch all the out-of-market games. I will still go to games at some point in the future. I just, at this time, will not be uh, going on any road trips um, <clears throat> unless they involve going to the Emerald City because I do believe that I have a winning percentage there and nowhere else in the, in the NFL. Fair enough. All right, let's do this. Uh, we we pontificated for quite a while on these games. Let's rapid fire some of these uh, some of these picks. Yep. So you got uh, Thursday night Dallas New Orleans. Who you got? All right, uh, Dallas New Orleans. Uh, I think Dallas. Hopefully, they're getting back in stride. There's some potential for some of the injured players to come back. I'm going to go Dallas in this one only because I don't have a lot of faith in New Orleans. They're still up and down on who their uh, quarterback is going to be. So, got to go Dallas. All right, Giants-Dolphins. Look, the Giants had a great defensive game last week. So did the Miami Dolphins. And uh, I, I tend to lean that way here. Sorry, Craig. And, Hunter, I got to go Miami here. Indy-Houston. Uh, I've been a cheerleader for Indy, you know, for the last – well, really since the beginning of the season when I said I felt bad for Carson because he was playing well, but teams were finding ways to win. Now they're finding ways to win. And if they're not winning, they're fucking really close to pulling these games out. Overtime losses or losses with, you know, less than a touchdown or an overtime. So I'm going to go Indy, Houston. Uh, they're a fucking dumpster fire. Sorry to swear twice in the same, the same guess, but uh, Houston <laughs> is a dumpster fire. 
Will Detroit go 0 16 and 1? Possibly. Will they go 0 15 and 1? Possibly. Will they win the game this week against Minnesota Vikings? No, not possible. Minnesota. Uh, Philly Jets. This is one of those that I'm struggling with a little bit because I don't know what version of Jalen uh, Hurts I'm going to get. Part of me thinks that the Jets are the Jets and they're dumpster fires and I hate their guts and they're going to lose. However, I have pretty much zero, and I mean zero confidence in the Eagles' ability to actually pull out a game because they not only do they tend to play to the level of their opponents, sometimes they play uh, far worse than that. Uh, strictly because it's the Jets, I'm going to go Philly. But I'm not overly confident in that pick, to be honest with you. I know that uh, on paper, everything leans towards Philly, but uh, this could be one where Jalen fucks around and, and coughs it up to an easy team. Yeah, could be. All right. Cardinals, Bears. Kyler Murray should be back for this. The Bears won a game last week, barely, pun intended, against the Lions. I don't see them winning against the Cardinals here. Um, they've had too long to to get Kyler Wright and DeAndre Hopkins after the bye. So I, I think it would be a nice get-right game for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cincinnati Chargers. Uh, this one's an interesting one because, again, it goes back to you know Herbert, the way he was playing earlier in the season. But on paper, Cincinnati is the better team, but you don't always get the same gameplay out of Burroughs week in and week out. I think he's prioritizing those shorter, more accurate passes now. Uh, they're 28th in the league. Uh, sorry, they're 6th in the league with 28 points in, in points per game. Uh, points allowed per game. Their defense is 6th is in the league. Uh, I'm going to go Cincinnati in this one. Uh, this is, I know, I know. This is one where I can see the Chargers finding a way to kind of turn it around a little bit. But um, they haven't been great the last couple of weeks and they need they need a, a, a big turnaround before my confidence builds in them but the Bengals have been piecing it together and joy roars let's listen to story roar yes yes let the hate <laughs> flow through you all let right joey last roar. one I owe you one for last week let joy roar yeah yeah, yeah. Right. hashtag let joy roar damn right all right um tampa bay versus atlanta look great that atlanta's coming back but uh they lost the first game pretty handily against the, the Buccaneers, and I think the same thing's going to happen. Tom, like you were saying, found a way, went down, got it done in overtime. He's going to do it in regular time this time. Tampa Bay. So Jacksonville in L.A., uh, Jacksonville is eventually going to figure it out and start winning a few games. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to win a few games. I don't know. This this is one of those where they could. The, the Rams seem to be struggling as of late. They're flirting with their, you know, their longest losing streak under uh, McVeigh since he's taken over. I don't think it's going to go that direction. Uh, I think Jacksonville, whatever their issues are, there's clearly a lot of them. Uh, they're going to surprise us one of these weeks. Trevor Lawrence is going to have a, a great game. The team's going to have an off game. Uh, but I don't think that's this That's this weekend. Uh, the, the Rams average... Uh, a, a touchdown and a field goal more per game than Jacksonville does. Uh, and in points allowed, they're almost identical. So if it comes down to that, I think the, the Rams, I, I, I have a feeling this one will probably be close to what we're, what we're hoping. I'm thinking like a, a, a late quarter drive or even an overtime win, but 
It's not going to be a blowout, I don't think. That would be insane. But then again, they did win against the Buffalo Bills and, and neuter that offense. So if they can do that, anything's possible. Uh, hashtag Kevin Garnett. All right, Washington football team versus the Raiders. You might be thinking, oh, Sam, they beat the Seattle Seahawks. They can obviously beat the Raiders. Psych, the Raiders just beat the Cowboys in an OT game, and those Cowboys were in a boat race with the defending Super Bowl champions week one of this year. Outside of COVID uh, issues inside the locker room, injuries, all that stuff, Las Vegas beat the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving (laughs) in their house. It's very, very important for Las Vegas to win this game to keep up in the AFC West, which is now one of those divisions that we didn't think was going to be super great, but it is. So I got to go Las Vegas here because I think they need to win this game more than the Washington football team does. Uh, Ravens. Now, what's up? No, see, I swapped this around. I played, I played some voodoo. I did back-to-back picks because oh. I'm giving you the, the Seattle San Fran pick. I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm content with where the season is going. I'm, I don't want to be <laughs> responsible for any more bad juju, okay? So <clears throat> yeah, you took you took the Pats pick, but you're giving me the Seattle pick. All right, I did. Yep. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I, I, I see. I see how this is going to go. Okay. Go ahead. Um, Baltimore played an absolutely atrocious, ugly game last week. So did Pittsburgh. However, I still have to think that there's more uh, that Baltimore has going for them at this point in the season than Pittsburgh. I'm going to go Baltimore here. Probably going to be too close for comfort. But uh, let's see. If I had to go last week, Baltimore scored 16 points and Pittsburgh only scored 10. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> uh, and don't hold back on this pick either, Tim. I'm, I'm, I'm not. 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 Uh, all right. So we got San Fran and Seattle. Um, Seattle's 3-8 and eight on the season. However, in their last uh, five matchups against each other, Seattle's won uh, four out of five of those matchups. They've all been very close games. Unfortunately, Seattle is not firing on all cylinders right now. San Fran seems to be stringing some pretty decent games together. Um, you know, on paper, they're, uh, San Fran is just the better team. Um, they average at least a touchdown more per game or pretty much close to it. Passing yards per game, they're, you know, a lot better rushing yards per game. They're a lot better. So I think this is one where Seattle's going to come out and have to really, really play. I don't think this is it, though. I think San Fran's going to put together a better game than, than the Seahawks are. Um, the Seahawks are another team. I can't really put my finger on, on, on where they're failing, but it seems to be in all facets of football other than the actual allowing of touchdowns. Um, but you're giving up too much yardage. Giving up too much, uh, too much risk, and I think good teams are going to take advantage of that. And I think this is going to be one of those games. Yes, indeed. Now lead us into the Sunday night game. Uh, Denver, uh, Kansas City. So I know Kansas City. I know they've pieced together a bunch of really good games uh, coming into this week. Some of them, you know, maybe not not such good games, but they're at least competitive games in which they're winning. They're 7-4 and four now after everybody writing them off, and they're pretty much uh, done. Kansas City has beat Denver pretty handedly in all five of their last meetings. Like, bad, bad. Uh, Kansas City, 
the only difference is they tend to allow more points per game, but they also score more points per game. So this one for me, I'm leaning Kansas City. Uh, while, while the confidence level is not back to 100%, I do think uh, they are the better of the two teams. And at this point, I need to see them cough up a couple struggling games again before I uh, write them off. Uh, depending on the matchup, I'm not leading Kansas City every time, but this is one of those where I think they kind of understand what they're getting into. They've already shown that they can manage it. And I think Mahomes is kind of going going into this one um, with a little bit more confidence than he has uh, some of the other games. But got to go KC in this one. Right on. I will finish the week with a bit of a shocker, okay? <laughs> New England versus Buffalo. The first of two seasons. Uh, sorry, first of two meetings that they'll have this season. Um, New England faltered last year. That was it. The league had a chance to find, to find a way to even the gap, and they didn't do it. Now they're coming in with a rookie, Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones. Jones. The defense is good. Kendrick Bourne's stiff arm last week got a smile out of Bill Belichick, so the rest of the league is fucked. That's just what it is. Yeah. This is the, this is the way I approach this game. Buffalo needs to win this game. Absolutely needs to win this game to get back into the, the thick of things in the AFC hunt and to kind of maybe either split the division with the Patriots or attempt to shock the world and and sweep the Patriots uh, in, in the division this year. That being said, that doesn't sound like a great recipe of going against a Bill Belichick team when they're eight and four. They need to win this game to be nine and four because they're the number two seed in the AFC right now and they might want to fuck around and win home field advantage. I would not want to go against a Belichick team that is on a six-game winning streak. Even if they were to lose this game, it would be a close game, and Belichick would still find a way to tinker so that when they faced each other again on December 26th, they would not they would not lose that game. That being said, there's been too much that's been valued about the Patriots' demise, and it's all smoke and mirrors. The defense is back. Mac Jones is coming into his own. The running game is competent. And the coaches seem to be putting it together for, I don't know. It's not even like everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers' last dance this season. But like if Bill was to have a swan song, it would be taking a rookie quarterback to the Super Bowl, facing Tom Brady, beating Tom Brady, and then just fucking retiring on top. That's, that's like, you know, a dream season that theoretically could happen. It would potentially start by winning this game. But I do think that the Bills will, will kind of get out of their slumber. They'll make this game into Rasante, but. I can't I can't pick against Bill Belichick. I just can't. You know what the scary thing is, is I was reading an article by The Athletic earlier today that was saying, like, you know, everyone's talking about how sort of loose and sort of open and candid Tom Brady is, but we're sneakily starting to see Bill Belichick kind of in that same yeah. boat, right? There was some video yeah, of him in the, in the locker room after the game, like, jokingly stiff-arming and in, in, in sort of... Uh, uh, melding a little bit more with some of the sort of openness and some of the the looser personalities as they called it in the locker room if that starts to happen you start allowing players to have fun watch the fuck out because now it's not just yeah. a disciplined team but it's a disciplined team so everyone everyone kind of justified before that they were having fun because they're winning but now if you're having fun and you're winning holy shit that is a recipe for Disaster for the rest of the league. And I'm calling yep. it now. If they start loosening it up, they start allowing players to sort of express their personality, and they're still dominating, 
the rest of the league is in a lot, a lot of trouble because team players leave the team because they're feeling oppressed or or compressed in terms of like their ability to kind of to flex their their ideologies or or their personalities. But you start letting them flourish, you still hold them to the same standards on the field. Boy, boy, you're looking, you're looking at some shit. Bruce Arians is, it's a, almost is a like, decent coach, but Bill Belichick is amazing. See what happens when Bruce Arians kind of lets everyone, you know, do their thing. Yeah. You let Bill Belichick in his mind coach a team, but give them the same flexibility to kind of be their own individuals. Jesus Christ, you're looking at like another mm-hmm. another ten to twenty year run. That could be that could be bad for everybody. Very very bad. And that will do it for this week of the Stats Don't Matter podcast. We all thank you very much for. Listening, liking, sharing, subscribing. We are going to have some guests coming up here in the next couple episodes. Looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Going to start getting some fans in here. Going to get some some picks. They won't count towards our our total picks unless you want to give up one of your picks and then you know just fucking throw a caution to the wind. I I throw up one of my picks for one of your picks and just let let the person you know make a pick and then but just remember. You're gonna to have to hit on all the other ones so you can keep up your streak of going five a week because you know we're we're so neck and neck that like yeah I might fuck around and get a couple of these weeks where I get four you get three and all of a sudden Ooh. you know Ooh, I don't next. want to hear no bitching about who picked these games when it's the end of the season and I win you know fifty five to fifty three and a half let's <laughs> let's let's do the math because if we if we did this for another six weeks and I only got six more picks correct it would be on on brand for me but uh, let's uh next year. Let's see if we can figure out a way to do like you versus me, but then have, uh, you know, a listener on every week to make a pick. No, we could just just to see just to see how we stack up against the average listener. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. All right, peace. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Hashtag let Joey roar. (laughs) Hashtag Russ isn't cooked. (laughs) Get Russ out of the kitchen. That's what we're trying to say. (laughs) Did you see the?